You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Hey friends, it's Mike Prada here, and we're back on the Limited Upside Podcast with another team preview without Ben. Ben has been on vacation. He will be back for the next one. This time, though, we did the Dallas Mavericks, a team I'm actually really excited about, and so are their fans. You can thank Dennis Smith for that. You can thank, thank a lot of things for that. We got Tim Cato from SBNation.com. You've heard him on the show before. We've also got Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball, our SB Nation Mavs site, and a really entertaining follow on Twitter at KirkSeriousFace. We talk about this exciting, interesting Mavs team. We talk about Dennis Smith. We kind of give a little bit of an update on what's going on with Nerlens Noel. We try to ponder how good Harrison Barnes is. And then we have some fun with figuring out, like, what if you put Prime Dirk on this year's Mavs? We talk a little bit as well about plant powder and the 2011 fallout and really some other fun topics. This is just a good, fun, interesting conversation about a team that I'm actually very excited to watch, no matter how good they'll be this year. This is, again, the 8th of 30 Limited Upside team previews with members of the SB Nation and Limited Upside communities. We just did the Kings. We've got the Minnesota Timberwolves coming up next. We're kind of roughly going in worst to first order. You should enjoy those. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes at Limited Upside. Leave us a review if you like what we're doing. Uh, five stars would be great. Leave us a review also if you want. You know, there are ways we can improve. We like hearing your feedback either way. Uh, so put it on iTunes. It helps us get up in the ranking. But it also, of course, helps the show get better. And you can also send us questions about any of these teams that we're going to talk about. We ask our friends on the show. You can do that at limited underscore upside. And we always ask them on the show. You can enjoy that. So until then, though, sit back and enjoy the Dallas Mavericks preview with Tim Cato and Kirk Henderson on the Limited Upside podcast. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast, NBA Preview Edition, number 8 of 30. And I've been excited for this one because I'm excited about this team, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, who didn't have a great end last year but have some really cool things going for them right now. Joining us, SBNation.com's Tim Cato, Mavs Moneyball's Kirk Henderson. How you guys doing? Good. Excited to talk Mavs. Let's do it. See, that's interesting because I think you haven't always been excited to talk about this team, but there does seem to be like a little bit of a new energy around the team with you know Dennis Smith and some of the other young core. What's you know what's the mood of the fan base in a word right now? Is it excited? Is it something else? I'd say excited is probably a good way to look at it. I mean, I think you know optimistic might might be a good word for it too. Um, you know. Nobody thinks that the Mavericks are, are you know, right now going to be one of the best teams, or maybe not even a playoff team. Although, you know, most fans think there's a there's a good chance that they can be a playoff team. But, uh, you know, right now it's just that they have they have a lot of young pieces that have kind of come out of nowhere over the past two years. I mean, if you go back to June 2015, this team had basically no young talent, and in the past two years they've 
almost completely turn that around. So they, they have, you know, Dennis Smith at, at, at point guard. They have Harrison Barnes. They have Seth Curry on a, uh, you know, making $3 million, which is a absolute steal, although, you know, his future with the team is, is yet to be determined. Um, and then uh, Nerlens Noel, who, uh, you know, we can get into his contract stuff later, but the, the more or less the expectation is that, you know, he's going to be part of this core for a long time. So this, it, it really, really did come out of, uh, you know, just a two-year span that they they picked up four or five and then you know some some bench players Dorian Finney-Smith and Yogi Ferrell and some you know just young players who who you know have a future and then uh you know aren't just uh retread veterans that Rick Carlisle keeps getting good seasons out of but you know aren't aren't part of the future in any uh meaningful way so um optimistic about the future is is probably how most Mavericks fans um are, are feeling about this team right now and that's that's a that's a much better place to be than they have been in the past uh, you know, five years or so and since since winning the championship. The other question I guess you would ask is what took them so long? Because I think the constant complaint about Dallas from that I've sensed, and I've definitely sensed from Kirk's Twitter feed and also his other stuff, is that, like, you know, they don't take the draft seriously. They're just spinning it back and spinning their wheels for Dirk. And now suddenly, you know, they don't – it doesn't take very long, and they have some interesting young players, and it looks like they have an interesting future. Like, I guess the question I would have is what took so long? I mean, more than anything else, they really didn't have any other option. They tried the free agency approach. They tried the free agency approach, you know, three or four years in a row, and they didn't have any luck because Dallas is just not very interesting. So when you're left with no other options, choosing guys off the scrap heap and hoping that some of them work out, uh, paired with a high draft pick, is really the result you're going to get. Dallas is not that interesting. I mean, I know that it's not like... I mean, it's a free agency destination. You know, they, they tried to make themselves one uh, after 2012 or after 2011, and year after year they would get the meetings, but nobody ever selected them. You know, uh, Harrison Barnes is the first major free agent that they've, they've had sign in Dallas in a very long time. They, I guess there's Chandler Parsons too. I yeah, guess they, they he's did. a tricky one. Yeah, that's that's a complicated situation. He was technically a max player when they signed him because they gave him max deal, but you know it was it was restricted free agency. It was it was a uh, something that the the Rockets you know chose to let him leave and and, and all that stuff. Yeah, um, and they had DeAndre Jordan for about four days, so there's yeah. that as well. <laughs> yeah, good good Sorry, times. I didn't, good times. <laughs> I don't need to remind you of that. That was that was a fun summer. Looking back, looking back on it, it was it was kind of fun. Um, in the moment, it was a uh, it was something. I was. I think I've never had more fun covering a summer story than that. It was just so ridiculous. Um, but you know, the Mavs have recovered pretty well. Last year, obviously, they get off to the terrible start with injuries, and then it's kind of a lost year uh, in terms of wins and losses. It yielded Dennis Smith Jr. And I remember Tim talking up Dennis Smith Jr. in our draft podcast for so long and me kind of rolling my eyes. It's like, wow, we're spending all this time on the ninth pick. And, you know, keep in mind, I don't watch a lot of college hoops. I, I know who he is, but I, I couldn't say I didn't know his name. You are but no like, Ben. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no Ben. And, and just like, I was just like, okay, can we talk about like the bigger stuff that happened at the draft? Please, <laughs> can we move on? And then Dennis Smith Jr. like dominates Summer League. So I am now fully on board. Like, are we, now I guess the question is like, you know, Kirk, are we getting too ahead of ourselves? <laughs> like, a little bit. I think if we were in a different market, we might be getting ahead of ourselves. But like, the expectations in Dallas are kind of low key. I don't even think like the casual Mavs fan even understands how fun this guy is going to be. 
I mean, I would go to warm-ups and pay more attention to warm-ups in Summer League than I did the game because the guy just levitates. The last time Dallas had a guard this athletic was rookie year Devin Harris, who could really had some hops. But it's just been a very long time since there was somebody that was exciting uh, in the guard spot that could really move. And with the way Dallas plays and the way Carlisle's offense opens things, I think we're going to see a guy really kind of, of you know, he's going to be on Sports Center a lot. He's going to be a part of a lot of Vine clips. It's mm-hmm. it's gonna it's it's well not Vine. You, I was gonna say you know you know Vines. Twitter videos, what but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so old. Uh, that's, <laughs> I mean, I miss Vine too. Like, you should have brought it back. It's it's really going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to be kind of a low key league pass team after they make it out of a tough November. Is is uh, Dennis Smith going to be the most athletic Maverick to play meaningful minutes? You know, not just like a random bench guy. He he might be. I'm trying to like Tyson Chandler in 2011 is up there. Yeah. Uh, there's some other players, but Dennis Smith might be. Yeah. yeah like, Josh Howard is that like a little uh, not really. I mean, he was such like, he was like a rangy athlete. There wasn't like that yeah. explosion. I mean, I, I like only reason I'd say Devin Harris is I remember a few dunks from his rookie year that got me out of my seat because I didn't know he could do that. But but Dennis Smith just it's it's different because you know Dennis like everything Dennis Smith does exudes the fact that he can do this. Like yes, yes, and it looks I am like when Russell he jumps, Westbrook he's going to go hot. Exactly, yeah. that's key. I'm looking to see if any Mavericks have been in the dunk contest. And I'm not sure. Uh, Gerald Green was he? Was he well, not with the Mavericks, but yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> didn't Michael Finley have a? Oh yeah, the cartwheel dunk. <laughs> yeah, he tried to do it. <laughs> Let's talk about that was terrible. He, he did a cartwheel. Did he? Did he make the dunk? He like did a cartwheel and then missed the dunk. I, ho- I really like hope he missed the dunk. No, I think he made it. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna look this up. It's the worst dunk contest dunk of all time that I do remember. <laughs> well, it's, it's either that or like, do, do you remember the one where Alan Houston like bounced it off his head? Ooh. There's there was one that somebody actually ended up laying the ball in. Like yeah, I think he mistimed his jump. Daryl Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you know also instincts, part of the Maverick staff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Inst- instincts take over and you're just like, all right, I'm finishing the layup here, and we're just like, no, no, yeah. it's not not it's, it's not the layup contest. <laughs> Dennis Smith, yeah, probably the most athletic Maverick ever. I, I, I mean, I think I, it's a think this is a fair statement he has a 47 inch vertical or he did before the acl injuries and like the miss dunk he no, had he, in did, he did after the oh, ACL. after the acl injury yeah yeah it improved after it was we went from like 40 to 47 after the acl injury which is yeah. actually something that happens a lot, a lot of maybe not a lot but some athletes who take their acl say that they have uh they 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 end up you know being more explosive in, in some ways Hmm. Well, I guess I've now figured out the secret to improving my vertical is to just jam my knee. Uh, yeah, it, yeah can, so, it can go from like 8 to 12. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say maybe like 4 to 6, but uh, you're, you're being very kind. Uh, yeah, so, but we all know it's, there's reason to be excited about him. He was great in Summer League. He showed a lot of stuff that I think people forgot that he had from at NC State. Rick Carlisle, 19-year-old point guards, though, I feel like that's going to be an interesting mix. Like, how much can Mavs fans realistically expect from him this year? I I think that uh, I, I do think that he's going to be the starter and, and going to be given more of a leash than you know some examples in the past. Um, there there is always that that factor. There's always the the Carlisle thing, and and you know there he's he's had very good reasons in in many cases for not playing rookies and in examples like that. You know, um, I, I do think that um, that they're they're committed to him, and and they're committed to him as a starter. They're committed to letting him play through mistakes. You know, some of the stuff they've said um, 
you know, even even on draft night, on, on the opening opening press conference of, of draft night, Carlisle went out and said, hey, this is this is, you know, right now, this is my starter. This is my starting point guard uh, for next season. And that's that's a pretty bold proclamation uh, when it comes to Carlisle and the, the way he talks about his players and, and things like that. Um, it doesn't mean things uh, won't change. And I'd be surprised if Smith ends up starting, you know, every single game he plays in. I bet there's there's a moment or two where you know he gets he gets benched or something happens or or Yogi Ferrell is is balling out or or you know it's just just more of an example thing or, or what what have you. But um, I, I do think that they're relatively committed and there's no reason for them not to be because you know this team um, at best is maybe going to sneak into the final spot of the Western Conference playoffs and um, more likely going to end up a couple spots out of it. Um, so. You know, at this point, with a young core and, and young players all around him, um, just just playing, you know, giving him minutes and letting him uh, grow through, you know, whatever whatever pains or, or difficulties he has to go through is is just their best case scenario. And not not to mention his his other options of point guard are Yogi Ferrell, who is a second year player who got a significant amount of burn with Rick last season once yeah. he mm-hmm. played well. So I mean I, I think the options are high. I, I my my only concern for Dennis Smith Jr. is actually his body language. Uh, he has a tendency to to pout, and Carlisle doesn't put up with that. But I think they'll break him of that habit. He's a professional. He seems excited to play. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, and it seemed like he was better at that than people expected in summer league. Of course, let's see what happens when the real games start. I actually worry a little more about his body just with the injuries and how much he jumps. But that's a whole separate topic. Uh, let's talk about the player that he will hopefully be throwing pick-and-roll lobs to, Nerlens Noel. Tim, you followed this story for a while. What's going on? Why hasn't he signed yet? I've, I've heard various numbers and, and, uh, from, from different people about how much he's been offered and how much uh, you know, his, his side is looking for. And, and I've never, I, I don't think we've got a clear... Uh, answer to that yet exactly what's going on behind the scenes but um I, I do know that him and his agent had a had a you know kind of had a figure in mind and the mavericks uh had their own figure in mind and they're you know a few million apart and they've been very stubborn about it on on both sides and honestly there's kind of no reason not to be um you know i i guess at this point nerland's nerland's was waiting throughout july um to see if any team would would you know, throw him twenty million a year or something like that—an um, offer that the Mavericks would then match. And and likewise, um, that the Mavericks know at this point that nobody can throw him such an offer. Um, so so he's not going anywhere. Nerlens isn't about to go sign somewhere. You know, even if he even if he did take a contract, the people who stu- who still have cap space, you know, uh, don't have enough money to to sign him. You know, anywhere near the max or anything like that. So. I think it's really only maybe a team or two that that has any sort of money left uh, in the off season. So I, I think it eventually gets itself worked out. Um, you know, I, I don't see any other way for it to work. Like I, I don't I don't see any other resolution to this other than Nerlens eventually accepting the Mavericks offer or them eventually uh, tacking on another million or two to their offer and you know kind of meeting in the middle. Um, I, I think that's the only resolution to this that that makes sense. Um, I, I don't think that Nerlens is going to take the qualifi- qualifying offer. That's uh, just too much money that he'd be leaving on the table. Um, if he did, that would probably be the worst case scenario. But it would still put him back with the Mavericks next year. So, uh, and also into the terrible 2018 class where yeah. the money is going to dry up. So, yeah, I it sounds like you you all aren't concerned at all that he's he's kind of penciling him in 
uh, back there. Uh, so that answers a few questions that we got uh, from Twitter. And I'm also kind of curious to see how that plays out. I think it's somewhat interesting that as talented as the dude is, like five teams passing him in the draft, he was traded for really a bag of balls. I know he was a, coming into for his free agent year, but I think everybody was like, wow, that's all it took to get Nerlens Noel. And then now there's this standoff. So I, I just... It gets my eyebrows raised a little bit because I really, as a fan, I want to see Dennis Smith and Earls and all pick and roll lobs. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I just think it's interesting. Um, let's talk about Harrison Barnes, Kirk's favorite player, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, okay, how good is he really? And I, we got a question from uh, Courtney Kennedy: Is is Harrison Barnes a top ten small forward or power forward in the league? We also have some other questions. Corbin Smith Watson sent us: Like, is he going to be a three or a four this year? You are like kind of the premier Harrison Barnesologist, uh, for good and for bad. Like, how good is he really? Yeah, tell 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 us about your. Is it has it been a one eighty on him? Well, let's be clear. So my or is initial, it like a one twenty? My initial prog- prognostication that he was going to be terrible was wrong, but I do feel now just because he had in a he had a very good season for a bad team, things have swung the opposite direction. A base look at his numbers compared to other small forwards is not very good. Uh, He scores some points. He doesn't grab a lot of rebounds. He never gets to the free throw line. He never passes. He never steals. He never blocks. So in terms of statistical impact, he's really good at a specific skill set from the mid-range, which isn't that valuable in the NBA anymore. Now, Dallas needs somebody to score points. So that that is of some value, and I just he, he needs to improve in some areas in order to come close to to even fulfilling his contract. But that said, he he really is undervalued in other areas. Like he's a really good defender. He's very mm. strong. He improved his ball handling a lot working with Sham God, uh, which is kind of an underrated thing, I think. Um, I love that he's on the Mavs staff. Oh, it's, it's amazing, and it's he, he's he's. Uh, I sent you a link a little while ago. You know, yeah, if, I saw this. You compare Harrison Barnes and Rudy Gay at the same point in their careers, and Rudy Gay blows him out of the water. That should be a little concerning. Um, I, I do think this year we're going to get to see how he really works because he's just going to be playing more three than he is four. Uh, he had to. Play oh, you more think four. so? I do. I mean, Dallas has said so. Now, of course, they say so, and you can't play Dirk forty minutes a game, so somebody's going to have to share those backup minutes. But I, I could be wrong here. I just I think I think he's going to have another good year. Uh, it's just he's his his best fit is definitely uh, second or third best player. Yeah, he seems more like a four to me. And I think the the interesting thing about this comparison you sent me with uh, Harrison Barnes and Rudy Gay at the same age, and Gay has better numbers, is that you know Gay was never Gay was a three then. Harrison Barnes as a straight three. I don't know if that's really how where his long term position is and where the game is going. Like it, he could be a better player in Dallas's system as a four. It's just obviously Dirk is still there, but I mean eventually that's kind of where he's going, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and if he's split in time between the two, if he's playing, you know, 12 minutes of four and, and you know, 25 minutes at three, then I think that's fine. I mean, it, you got Dirk has had to have he's the best Dirk backup that we've had in a long time. <laughs> I, I, I think his future is definitely at the at, at the four in, in, in my estimation. And also the, this team does have a lot of guards, so they're going to end up playing, you know, three guard lineups. And, and in those lineups, Barnes is going to get pushed, pushed to the four like there's no other option. Um, I, I think just looking at the at, at who's on the team and how the rotations are going to have to shake out, um, he's definitely going to get at least you know 12, 12, 15 minutes at four. I think um, every night. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the case. I guess they need to find eventually a long-term three, but like you know that Rick's going to play two-point guards and a 6'4", small forward or yeah, whatever. It's, it's going to be more Wes Matthew at, at the three and, and more Harrison Barnes at the four and um, when, when Dirk's off the floor and, and probably two guards, Dennis Smith and maybe like J.J. Barea or maybe uh, Devin, Ster- Devin Harris is still floating around on this team. Um, they actually picked up his option. Um, so they had the, they had a chance to not bring him back, and and they chose to bring him back. So clearly, they have some role and vision for him. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's going to be a lot more of that because again, you know, Dirk's probably only going to be playing twenty four minutes a night at this point. I would think he maybe even less, but probably per- not. Yeah, yeah maybe not. a little he bit less. Take, yeah, you can't keep him off the floor. He gets too yeah. stiff. Well, there's definitely that. Like, I, I've always like been amused by like how players just sit down the bench. Like, I feel like more people should be using the stationary bike when they're out of the game, or like doing like little, I don't know, exercises on the sideline in the tunnel. That's a whole separate conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, it's just he's an interesting player. I think there's a lot. You saw like sort of. I think the Warriors fans had a lot of the same dilemmas. It was like eh, he's kind of not what we really want, but you know there are some things he does that are actually really underrated and. Like valuing him in the league, I think is really difficult, um, and it's also especially because if they were running such an ISO heavy offense for him at the beginning of last year because they had nobody else. So I'm very curious to see how he plays with a full year of Noel and with Dennis Smith, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, just just a, a final thought. He's one of those weird doesn't have a modern game, so it's it's tough to assign value to him as as we're used to assigning value because you know he's not a free throw guy. He's not. You know he can get to the rim a little bit, but he's he's not uh, someone who just lives there. He mostly lives on mid-range jumpers, and he's he's good at them, and those have value, and scoring has value. But at the same time, you're just like maybe shoot a few more threes. Maybe that's maybe that's the future for you. Maybe you know if, if you're not going to get to the free throw line as uh, as much, then maybe there's other ways uh, you can increase that efficiency. Which is, but on the other hand, he wasn't you know inefficient last season. Um, it's just it's just a weird kind of. It was okay. Yeah, he was he was very average in, in that front. Um, good score. Somebody has to do it. So you you would like him to be I guess a little bit more efficient if if he's going to be your primary scorer. Which you know, I mean the future is probably that he's not not necessarily your primary scorer. He's a he's a second option or someone like that. But um, it's just it's a it's a weird guy to assign value to in, in 2017 because clearly there's things he can do, but they just don't quite jive with what every NBA team wants out of their players at this point. Yeah, fascinating player. I can't wait to read a long tweet storm from Kirk in season about how good Harrison Barnes is. This is among the most entertaining things on my Twitter feed. Uh, especially because, yeah, I, you said like we you did a 180. I feel like you kind of more did like a 240 and then reverse it back with an 80. Like I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what the angles actually are here. That, that's, that's probably more accurate, Some, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just have to think about this. Um, what uh, I assume that Dennis Smith is what makes Mavs fans most excited about this year. I'm curious what makes folks a little more. What makes fans most nervous about this season and beyond? You know, it seems like it's a good, fun time to be a fan. It seems like they're set up decently well. They've got cap space next year that they've hoarded, which I think is a smart decision. They've got a really exciting young player. They have you know still Dirk to kind of be there. But what makes people a little nervous? There's there's a few things. Um, I mean, Dirk's Dirk's retirement is is a. I mean that's that, that's one thing that everybody knows, but nobody's looking forward to that. Uh, more tangible things are like uh, next season if Wes Matthews opt, opts into his contract, um, that would that would uh, upset the the cap space that I think they're trying to 
they're they're trying to to build up, like you said. Um, I, I do think it's a smart move, but I but I wonder if they have a some sort of guarantee from or, or promise from West that that he's you know he's pretty sure he's going to opt out, which may not make sense in in a in a weak free agency market and and without a lot of money to go around. So I'm curious to see what happens there. Um, as as far as the season itself goes. Um, I mean, I guess there's there's a few injury prone players on this team, and, and nobody wants to see them get injured again. Um, you know, Dennis and, and Nerland specifically. Um, those those are those are the two guys that you, you don't want to see anything happen to, and just want to see some prolonged stretches where you know they're they're playing as good as they can and and uh, doing it while staying healthy and and, and stuff like that. Um, but be, because there's not really any ac- expectations, so to say, or or you know anything that people are are you know guaranteeing the Mavericks to do, then uh, I, I don't think the the season uh, concerns are are too are, are you know I, I just don't think there really are any um, just because this this team just has to go out in there and play and and there's still a couple of years down the line uh, is is I think how most people view them so you know missing the playoffs is not a uh, it's it's not a failure for this season in in my estimation even if the players themselves may end up saying stuff like that as as we get closer. Um, I, oh, I would, of course they will. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, as they should. But um, I think I'm me, the best editor of all time. I'm just <laughs> confident, and you should think you're the best writer of all time. That's just how it is. Uh, you, you you would you would edit that as a, a good editor. The, the best editor of all time would edit me saying that I'm the best writer of all yeah, time. I guess so. that's true. There is a little bit of a dichotomy there. Um, is uh, what's the level of confidence in management now, Kirk? I mean, are we are we happy? Are, are fans mostly happy with? Where this is, or is it still? Are there still some things that are, y'all are nervous about with like plan? It seems a little bit like we're going back to plan powder with saving this cap room, and that didn't work out so well. Is or is this like kind of people kind of trust that Cuban and Donnie Nelson really know what they're doing? Well, I think the last two off seasons have really restored a lot of faith in Donnie Nelson and Cuban. I mean, I I really can't speak to how much uh, Cuban is involved. It always feels like he's more involved than he is. Uh, but you know, I think we're going to look back in a few years and, and really see how the Mavericks absolutely hoodwinked the Knicks to get Dennis Smith Jr. Because mm-hmm. all signs for the better part of three weeks were pointing to the Mavericks really hoping for Frankie Nicotine. And <laughs> that's a new nickname I'm going with. We we've been going French Frank. I like that Frankie Nicotine. <laughs> I, I think I stole that one from Kevin O'Connor um, of the Ringer, and it's just. It was so incredible because I mean Tim was saying that you could just see the looks on their faces on draft night when they went up to to give the post draft uh, press conference that they were so like they were gleeful that they yeah. got. so like this sort of confidence enabled to you know, basically do what Tim said earlier which is flip the entire roster around because last summer the youth the youth movement was Harrison Barnes because people seem to think Seth Curry is is, is young Seth Curry is like 28 27 he's not young but now they legitimately have two players they have three three players under the age of 25 they're great and or that have you know lots of potential and it's it's exciting so doesn't happen much with Dallas it's funny i mean that it's like an amazing turnaround. We got a couple questions to this effect. I just want to go back to this. Wes Matthews, his future, Courtney Kennedy and Corbin Ford Watson both asked about like what's going on with him. Is there a chance they trade him, or you know where are we at with that? I know I know the Mavericks love him. They they love him as a, as a veteran, as as a guy in the locker room. Um, I've seen it firsthand. He's he's excellent. He's he's truly excellent as as one of those veteran guys that you you uh you know rely on and. and you know, you expect to to kind of 
point your your young players in the right direction. He is he is perfect for that. He's he's one of the best guys in the league. Um, because they have a young team, obviously they'd love to have him, you know, to keep him around, but um, they they can't be on the hook for his for his eighteen million dollar player option next season. Um, if if I think what you know what their plan is is what I think it is, um, which is you know like like we discussed, kind of saving cap space um, for a summer where nobody's going to have cap space. So um, that said, you be, because they they you know can't uh, they they really can't have that on the books next season. They they may look into trading him. Um, there there may be something else that's going on there. Um, I, I I know they like him, but as you know, liking a player only goes so far in the NBA. It's it's still a business, and and to properly execute um, whatever their plan is next season, um, they they may need to move on. A, a trade deadline deal might be the best case scenario because it will be um, possibly. I, I guess he wouldn't be an expiring contract if if the expectation is he, he's going to pick up his player option, but um, he he could be a solid veteran who's who's hopefully having a little bit of a bounce back year um, after after a couple rough seasons since his uh, since his Achilles tear. And uh, hopefully, you know that's that, that that might be the best case scenario where he gets to spend most of the season on the Mavericks, but um, and, and and really instructing these young players like like Dennis Smith uh, to in, in the direction that the Mavericks uh, want him to be doing. But then then he can move on to a to a contending team or something in that uh, manner uh, come February. Okay, well that definitely covers that. Uh, let's take a quick little breather. When we come back, we're going to talk about Dirk and way less serious things. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive, the gel is expensive, you have to kind of switch them out a lot, and you cut yourself while shaving, you've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter, it feels really smooth coming off your skin, It actually makes the act of shaving fun, and I love that. And it's also a great deal. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. They send it to you in the mail. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave. You don't have to do any of that. It comes right to your door. It's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice, and it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin. It almost doesn't look like shaving cream. It's nice and clear, and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream. And you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized. It's a terrific deal. You get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the Dollar Shave Club. And now, lucky you, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 a month with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month and you can quit at any time if you don't like it. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full set of pork cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just 5 bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. 
but you can only get this offer exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave. We're back on the Limited Upside podcast. And you know one name we haven't mentioned much? Uh, Tim Cato from uh, com and Kirk Henderson from Maz Moneyball joining me. You know who we haven't mentioned that much? And that's Dirk Nowitzki. And I think it's because there's not much to say. The dude is awesome. He's a legend. Uh, he'll They'll come to him however they want. I want to ask this question best. Uh, I have a couple questions, but this is the one I've been thinking about a lot. Let's say you like transpose 2011 Dirk onto this Mavs team. How good would they be where what seat would they be in the west 2011 dirk is an interesting question i think they would still find a way to become seven or eight seed because at 31 32 dirk was still putting the ball on the floor a lot uh he was getting some free throws i mean that that seventh or eighth you don't yeah i was gonna say i'm surprised it was that low i would have thought maybe higher make him the best player you have harrison barnes as a decent number two I mean, if we're, t- if we're talking peak Dirk in 2006 when he was getting to the free throw line 10 times a game, yes, because he was okay. just that, – that warps – like his gravity so warped everything because, I mean, like 10 free throws a game for Dirk, like that's just the thing that's the kind of crazy It still happened in 2011. It, it may not have been his absolute peak, but it was a – it was a master of his craft, is, is what 2000 was. 2011 yeah, because he was shooting more threes then, too. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. No, I, see yeah, I wasn't saying. sure which Dirk was like best Dirk, so I'm glad well, I mean, you, you look at the guy's stats on basketball reference, and the per 36 minute stats for all 20 of his seasons are hilariously similar. Uh, even yeah. like last year, so it's like, what really is best Dirk? And and Tim's probably right that it's that it's thirty one, thirty two year old Dirk. I just have an affinity for that guy who got to the free throw line a million times a game. Yeah, so let's say uh, so you say seventh or eighth still with how deep the West is. Uh, I put them higher than that, although I don't. I don't think they're cracking the top three in the West. Well, they, I w- 2011 Dirk transposed into today's game is probably what like the sixth or seventh best player in the NBA, maybe eighth. Like where or he's de- you would think in the top ten, right? So you'd have the top ten player. Maybe I don't know. You, uh, does that sound about right to y'all? Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so you have that player. You have a really uh, promising young center. You've got the young point guard that will surely benefit from playing with prime Dirk versus old Dirk. You have Harrison Barnes. Uh, you have a quality vet in Matthews to space the floor. I mean, that's a nice team. Like, is that team better than Oklahoma City? Mm-hmm. Is that team better than Minnesota? Is that team better than, you know? They're probably better than Minnesota. But I mean, that's it's all it's all parlor games. But I, I would well, I would yeah, take them over. Of course, it's all parlor games. <laughs> of course, it is. That's why we're having the discussion. That's yes, yes. That that, that is why. Um, I, I would I would take them. I, I would take them probably as maybe the four seed in, in the in in the Western Conference. Four seed, something like that. And Kirk, you'd still go down but, a little but with, bit further. With, you know, 55, 57, 58 wins. I, I think the Western oh, Conference yeah. is absurdly good this year. So it's that's that's the other factor into this. Like, you know, maybe that's a number one seed some years in a, in a weaker year, or if they're in a different conference. Um, so so you know, we're we're kind of stuck measuring them based off you know just how ridiculous everything is now. Mm-hmm. Where would you place them in like kind of the Mavs 
like the hierarchy of like great Mavs teams. Like they're probably obviously not better than 2011 if that's the case. Uh, are they better than? They're probably better, not better than 20 or 2007. Like I mean, I'm just kind of curious where they slot in and in, in terms of other Mavericks teams. Funny that you mentioned that. We actually have a series out right now on MavsMoneyBall.com that is Ooh. looking at the past 20 years of starting five lineups. Uh, that have played for the Mavs and putting them in a hypothetical tournament, and we're running through the pros and cons. Uh, I don't know if you put if you put Prime Dirk, that it would have to be a a top five or six. The real challenge with this is Dirk went from being on like the 2003, four, and five teams for the Mavericks were so loaded with ridiculous talent. Um, and then in 06, 07, 08, it went to being like Dirk and Jason Terry and a little bit of Josh <laughs> yeah. Howard. Like, it was very odd. But, you and know, they were better that way. And they were better that for way, two years. Which is wild. Because, I mean, if, if you remember those, the, the, the silver uniform Mavericks, which will never get burned from my mind with like Antoine Jameson and Antoine <laughs> yeah. Walker. Oh, my goodness. They were just wild. Rafe LaFrance. If, if you're wondering, the four teams who have made it to the, to the final four in this tournament are the, uh, the 2004 team, the 2003 team, the 2006 team and the 2011 team. So that's you know, not what I expected. 2014 was that? Didn't that team lose in the first round? Uh, that was the. T- I'm pretty sure that was the the team that. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the team that had um, that that hung 80 on Sacramento. And I thought that um, was 2003. Uh, you might be right. See all this. Yeah, th- they all kind of 2004 blur together. was. Uh, Antoine Walker and Jameson and, and interesting. So no, 2007. The first round loss was too uh, difficult a memory to include them. I, I, I don't know. Oh, what they were included. About. It was a. It was. <laughs> it was. I believe it was a. It was a 16 team tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and the the readers voted against that team. Right. <laughs> it's always interesting how the last memory you have of a team is what sticks most. Um, oh, let's go back to 2011. I, I've been thinking a little bit about this question uh, in light of the last few years of the Mavericks with. Plan powder, and I think that's what you guys call it, right? Where it's like they, and rather than bringing their defending champion team back, they opted for this flexibility to sign a free agent that never really came. So I'm curious if you're able to like kind of go back in history now, knowing what you know about how plan powder worked, would, would it have been better to just keep the band together, pay up, and then maybe the team has a fur, further cliff of a fall because? You know the guys get older. I mean, I'm I'm kind of curious to relive the alternate scenario where that 2011 team actually stays together. I, f- I feel like they're actually influenced by the Heat that year, who who had space and ended up signing um, James uh, James and Boss Bosch. And obviously, looking back on it, that was you know a very specific set of circumstances. Those three essentially engineered it um, themselves, and and then you know went to Pat Riley, and and then he made it happen. Um, but it but it actually had superstars coming together and saying, "Hey, let's let's make this happen. Let's all gang up together and and you know all we need is cap space." Um, quickly after that, the NBA landscape changed so that you know every all these stars that ended up signing in free agency they they didn't they didn't sign based off cap space because everybody realized that you know we can we can get cap space we can we can we're, you know we can make some moves we almost every. Uh, contract is tradable, which is something that wasn't true in in you know the the mid two thousands and in in times like that. But the right. NBA changed to the point where pretty much everybody was tradable, um, which meant that the the free agency decisions that the the, the stars made, um, you know Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony, LeBron and and uh, Chris uh, Chris Paul a little bit. I, I guess he was he was traded and signed. Um, but you know all these free agency decisions were based off. 
um, you know, teams that had the you know had cap space or had maneuverability to to sign them, which ended up being way more teams. And then it was based off you know the best teams at that point. Um, and that's something that the Mavericks you know didn't uh, predict or foresee correctly. Um, they, they they definitely missed on on that uh, level. And and you know in retrospect, bringing back the championship probably would have been the right move. Yeah, so, I mean, all that's a factor, too, but also the repeater tax was a whole thing, too. I think Cuban was worried about that. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, taking away all the market factors, like, would that have been a better – would the team have performed better over the next five years if that had happened, Kirk? I don't know about over the next five years, but if you have a, a player that is essentially a once-in-a-franchise type guy, I think you sort of owe it to him to roll it back as best as you can. I mean, I, uh, one of the things that gets lost in, in some of the market factors is Cuban's best asset in retrospect was his willingness to spend, because in that CBA, there weren't really prohibitive penalties for going over. The salary cap in 2010-2011 was $58 million. The Mavericks' payroll was 84 the third right. highest in the league. That's so, why it was amusing that there was the whole like built, built versus bought <laughs> thing in that finals, I remember. So, I mean, I really, I, for, for the sake of the way the team was constructed, I really wish they would have brought guys back. Now, I, I do understand him him un, looking ahead and seeing the flexibility of, of not being, you know, $20 million over the cap. And since then, Dallas has been low-key very interesting at how they sign guys and in what order. Like, they're really good at that sort of stuff. Um you know, in a way that that is a lot of teams, I think, kind of overlook. Um, but I just, I, I think they would have had a better two or three years because you know, since then we, as Mass fans, we've had some fun playoff moments. You know, after the the true plan powder fell through with Dwight Howard and and uh, Darren Williams, that Mavericks team with Monta Ellis for that particular year was an unbelievable amount of fun. Just because the expectations were were through the floor, right. they made the eight seed. They took the Spurs to seven games. Vince Carter hit that incredible shot yep. I and mean, there's just a lot of 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 uh, missed opportunity i think but you know it's it's kind of the way it goes like the fact that dirk won a title at age 32 is is going to be one of those things that looks wilder the further we get away from it with all of these super teams and guys that are hitting their peaks in their late 20s uh to have kind of a, a stiff uh seven foot tall guy who wasn't great at putting the ball on the floor at that point anymore leading a team to a title is is just crazy yeah, that, that team will be remembered for a long time. And I, I feel like the bottom might have fallen out pretty quick if they kept the, the team together. I mean, those guys were getting up there in age. I feel like that was Kidd's last really good defensive year, 2011. I know Chandler obviously played a lot better in New York, uh, so I feel yeah, like the, that might have been... The best option probably would have been to re-sign Tyson and let everyone else go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, looking looking back with with uh, knowing how everything played out, that that probably would have been the best case scenario. But it's like they they went they went for the home run shot. They they went for saying you know with with all these teams that are you know only going to get better that that we barely beat um, in in the Heat and then the Thunder coming up. You know they 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 decided hey we need another we need a uh, a another star to put next to Dirk and uh, I know Cuban was convinced that he was going to get one like like he he thought for sure that they would at least get Dwight Howard um you know 
some of it was the fact that Cuban had relationships with uh, with with Dan Fagan, uh, you know, one of the power agents who was representing a lot of these people who were coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan Fagan himself, uh, I'm you know more or less I, from from what I can tell, was like, hey, yeah, I'm I'm gonna make sure I get you one of these guys, and and, and so, he gave him Chandler Parsons instead. <laughs> yeah, that that ended <laughs> and up DeAndre not Jordan too for well. four days. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and obviously DeAndre ended up firing Fagan like during that whole saga. So it was, right. it was all that that was you know as once again like everybody you know we we talk about this every once in a while but agents are so much the the backbone of the NBA and and are so involved in everything that that happens and you know that that was a big part of it but you know the the other thing they they even had uh Chris Paul and Dwight Howard talked about coming to the Mavericks together uh I think in 2012 or the summer Hmm. of 2012 and then Dwight ended up picking up his uh his player option and that's when Paul forced his way to Los Angeles if I'm remembering correctly so there there was some there was like two or three really missed opportunities where, where they were very close to actually going in, out and getting that that superstar. But the thing was that Cuban thought it was you know more or less a guaranteed thing, and it ended up not being a guaranteed thing clearly. Um, and they they didn't consider the downside to to that when when choosing to bring the team back. And and like I said, I mean I think it was probably the right the right move not to lock yourself into a ton of long contracts with people like JJ Barea, but. Um, for when they got back <laughs> with a he, long contract. Yeah, on, not as big a long contract. Yeah, not not obviously. as big. A very a very affordable one now. But you yeah. know, at the time, you know, they're they're definitely right not to go pay him thirty two million when the cap space was you know sixty million. But um, it it's it's it, it's a fascinating it, team. Fascinating it, question. Yeah, that that summer and the other thing that complicated, of course, was the lockout and and they only had right. so much time to. You know, make those decisions once because the, the free agency ended up. The free agency period basically happened in the span of like three weeks or two weeks. You had a week. I, I, I want to say less than that. It, it might have been less than that. It was. It was. It honestly bizarre circumstances, and I wonder. You know, if if there wasn't a lockout or if there wasn't this or that. In fact, if there wasn't a lockout, I would not have been surprised to see. You know, maybe Tyson come back or something like that. Interesting. So. Well, let's lighten the up, up a little bit. Dirk obviously is on his last legs as a player. Sadly. Here's the question I want to ask y'all. What is the Dirk's next job title going to be once he retires? <laughs> whatever besides whatever he wants it to be. Right. Like not like you're the what what is uh Tim Duncan's title with the Spurs that Pop was joking about last year? Is like the, the kind of coach of whatever he wants to be. <laughs> Does this sound about right? What was the yeah, besides that, like I wanna like invent a job for Dirk after his career ends because I think the the running conspiracy theory is of course is that there's a job lined up for him because he's taking all these pay cuts and you know, I have no idea if that's true or just silly. But I, I imagine like he's obviously gonna stick around in some capacity with the team or with something Cuban related and what what is the what is the job title he gets? I I don't think he wants to be a coach necessarily. Um you know, or like a head coach or somebody who's right. constantly on the sidelines. Uh, he's definitely he's he's never been a you know publicity guy. He's been happy to or he's been you know okay doing it uh, for for the time that he's he's done it. But um, I, I do think more of a, a player development role that that kind of puts him behind the scene, working working with players. Or um, oh man, it, I can't wait to see like shooting contests before games with Dirk and uh, like the <laughs> whoever he's working with before the game. I, I think that's his perfect uh, fit in in due time. I, I do think he wants to take a few years off and travel. He's talked about that, but when when he does get back, I feel like some sort of behind the scenes, or you know, maybe he's on the bench in a suit, but he's he's not the guy making the decisions. I, I don't think he has any interest in that. Um, 
you know, I, I don't I don't think he wants to be in a front office either. From what I can tell, that's that's probably not something that is super interested in uh, for him. So some sort of uh, player development and maybe community outreach at just to, to some degree and, and and things like that. I think is probably where he fits best, but it will definitely be something with the Mavericks organization in in some capacity. I wonder what the job title will be though, the like you know made up job. I guess it's not made up if you're a player development coordinator, but just like the silly job the, title that the, he'll get. The Dirk Nowitzki in chief or something I mean, like had, that. I, like he, I, I low-key see him being heavily involved with like their random marketing because of like all the superstars of the last 20 years, he is by far the silliest and it doesn't even yeah. come close. <laughs> like you type in Dirk Nowitzki into the gift finder and you come up with him with him like he's wearing a chicken head, he's doing all sorts of really funny stuff. Like the guy just doesn't take himself super seriously. So I, I, I think Tim's right that probably something to do with community outreach and then he'll probably be involved with a little bit of marketing i mean i also wouldn't be surprised if he walks away from basketball generally for like five years to raise his kids because right i I, I think so too all these guys have that competitive itch and i'm sure he'll come back to it at some point but like you talk (laughs) you see him talk sometimes and you can tell he still really likes it but he's also just like man i've been doing this forever yeah he's uh, he's in he's about to have like one of those midlife crises where he's like kind of looks at himself as like wow i got to do something different uh social media producer dirk Nowitzki. yes there, there we go, go. Do, we, yeah. do we have any spots open at sb nation uh i believe we do have interview <laughs> we are interviewing for social media producers so he's great on twitter I, let me let me uh let me let me talk to dirk i'll, I'll okay. pass him along you might want to hurry, though. I think that they're in the process of maybe hiring someone. I have no idea, but like you know, get those applications in before you can. Yeah, I'm just imagining Dirk running the uh, Instagram account on game days. You know, like kind of sitting around in in the background, like kind of taking phone videos and posting them on Instagram. That's that is the job for him. Um, speaking of Dirk, I imagine he's a member of both of your all-time banana boat teams. You know, the three players you want to kind of join you on a banana boat. Right, it's definitely Dirk is one of the three. I would assume. No, oh, yeah, it's it's definitely Dirk, and then it's uh, Deshaun Stevenson twice. Ooh, interesting. Gosh. I was gonna say like Steve Nash. I feel like the Nash Dirk combo is a shoe in here, and it's yeah, just the third. Guy. Okay, we can we can put we can put Nash in there. See that, and and I I I can't believe I forgot Stevenson. I spend like uh, you know if you go to my Twitter feed, half my Mavs tweets are talking about how he had an eighty. 80% true shooting percentage in the finals. <laughs> I just can't believe I forgot of him. But I was really thinking about Nick Van Axel, even though Ooh. he was only on the team for a short period of time. Uh, I, I can think of players that I wouldn't want on the banana boat. That's very clear. Um, but there are just there are just some phenomenal Mavericks over the years that, since Dirk has been here. I really have a soft spot for Jan Mahinmi. Uh, just because yeah. he's he he's you know he hit a banana shot in Game Six of the 2011 Finals to basically bury the Heat. Uh, I, I would not want Avery Johnson on the boat. That's clear. Um, yeah, you got to cover your ears. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there are some there are some pretty pretty good options out there. But I, I think I think Tim really crushed it with uh, Stevenson, Nash, <laughs> Dirk, yeah, Roddy B, That's, Roddy B, uh, Daryl Armstrong. He's up there. Yeah, I think he would have to be on there. Uh, I mean, there have been like so many characters on this team, you know, going back in history. Uh, I feel like Josh Howard would be kind of cool to hang out with, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and and Dad Brian Cardinal. Is, Dad is, Brian Cardinal. Right. Yeah, that's good. I uh, pers- I personally would want Calvin Booth on the Mavs banana boat because he was responsible for what probably ranks as the second favorite shot in Dallas Mavericks history because in, uh, I want to say it was like 99, maybe it was 2000. When no, it was 2001. 2001, yeah, you're right. When they beat the Jazz, they came back oh, yeah. down 0-2 and he hit the game winner. 
Yeah. So I, I just would want him on the boat to be able to tell him thank you. So. And then you'd like toss him off, capsize him, right? Let, replace him with someone else. I I feel like you need to kind of tag team because there's so many options. You need to have like kind of a reserve boat in place so that they could kind of switch in and out uh, mm-hmm. at your whim. You know, I feel like that's how you got to do it. Um, curious what Mavs fans would pick for that because you know I think Nash and Nowitzki are kind of a shoe, and it's just a matter of picking between a zillion options for number three. I mean, you basically could just have reenact that picture over and over and over again. There are just some great names on this list, like Corey Brewer, Scott Brooks. Was a match. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Uh, uh, Popeye Jones. Oh man, this is just. I mean, you could go back to the '80s too with oh, some yeah. of these players. Oh, yeah, Danny Manning, Sean Marion, Ed O'Bannon was a Maverick. This is just <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful. We're, we're getting into people I've never heard of. Oh, man, Ed O'Bannon is so a, is young. A, Are you, re- no, you really don't know ten? You really don't know who Ed O'Bannon is? That's a made-up name. Hashtag no. youths. Man, Ed O'Bannon was like the best college player in the world yep. for before he got drafted. He was like um, Evan Turner before Evan Turner was drafted. That sort of like great college player, not a great pro type of player. Who's, who's Evan Turner? All I know is I, <laughs> all I know is Zion Williamson and, and Lamelo. <laughs> I am a I am fully a new age social media star. Are you a big fan of the uh, seventh grader that uh, USC signed to try to get Marvin Bagley? Oh yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he, what about LeBron might, Jr.? Uh, even better. Future somehow. Maverick. Future Maverick LeBron Jr. Yeah. <laughs> he will go when LeBron never did, because they were technically in the LeBron chase, were they not? Right. Uh, right. Twice, technically, I want to say, but not ever, really. Yeah. Uh, all right, let, we're wrapping up here, but um, let's get to some predictions. What is what is the best-case scenario for the Mavs, and what is sort of the worst-case scenario for y'all? I'd, I'd say... If if we're putting like a really best and worst, I, I would say between uh, they they had thirty three wins last season. So let's say anywhere between thirty five and forty five wins, which the the best case would be you know f- like forty forty three forty four forty five wins, um, and that would be enough to put them in the eighth seed. Um, the worst case scenario is that they're like four spots out, but even in a worst case scenario, they get another really good draft pick and and things are okay because they still have a good young core. So. Um, and and so it's it's somewhere in there. I've, I've probably have them finishing between probably the eighth seed to the eleventh seed or so. And I'm of the opinion that they have a low ceiling and a high floor. So I think like the best and worst case scenario for this team, barring like a massive injury, is going to be like a ten game differential where they win thirty eight, thirty nine games, and then at worst win thirty eight, thirty nine games or uh, twenty eight, twenty nine games. Because right. like Rick is is just he he can do things with terrible teams and you know the Dallas was Dallas got off to a 3 and 17 start last year and somehow finished where they did. Yeah, I don't I right. don't see how they're worse than they were last right, year. Right, I agree. Barring, you know, catastrophic it's injuries. It's just is the west better is the question. That, yeah, that is, yeah, that is the valid yeah, that's, that's a valid question, but I, I think that they will at least hold par yeah. at the at the 33 win mark or so. Um in in a worst case scenario, even if they even if the west is better, I think they're going to be a little bit better to make up for it. And they simply they simply will not tank. Either. No, they shouldn't. Right, right. they yeah. shouldn't. But they also like it's just not what they have. Too many guys who I mean, are competitors. Once once the playoffs are the picture, you know, Cuban mm-hmm. obviously like admitted to tanking, and at that point it does make sense. But yeah. you know, they're they're never going to go into a season saying we're going to try to lose games and get a draft pick because you can't do that to Dirk. You you can't. You just can't do that to to someone like right. That. Do you think this is his last year? You think he has he has one more? It sounds like he's trying to do one more after this. Um, it depends on his health. It depends on how he feels at the end of the season, but. 
Um, it sure sounds like he's he's prepared or, or has, has his mind wrapped around another season beyond this one. This is why I love this idea of him as like in this midlife crisis because he, you can tell that he is exhausted by the grind of the game, but he just loves it way too much, and he mm-hmm. just kind of continues to go on. And again, like the team's not going to be a championship contender, so nobody would blame him if he just stepped down and or even went somewhere else. But he just like he's sort of addicted to the organization and the game that it he's he could play. I, I would never doubt when his last year is. I mean, hell, he could play three more years. You know, he still is relatively effective in his role. I'm sure he doesn't mind having his role reduced. You know, probably feels better. So, well, and now that he's also kind of scale, like his skill set has, and his, his his skills have declined to the point to where he's no longer even like a fringe All Star candidate. So he almost always has that. He he now has that built in vacation for ten days. Right. So he doesn't have to worry. And so he come I, like he came back. He looks good. And that's kind of the, the the impressive part. So I just don't I just don't necessarily see him walking away until it's not fun for him anymore. And as long as he gets these breaks and the Mavericks look like they're trying something, I I don't see him walking away yet. But you know, a lot can happen in, in 82, yeah. 82 games. Do you think he still walks in with that plate of food? Um, oh, those uh, leftovers. Absolutely. That's his. That's his signature. Like that needs to be the NBA logo, not him doing a fadeaway. <laughs> him carrying a take home or a, 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 a from leftovers. Home play. Yeah, oh, it's just my favorite thing. It's just, it's so just ca- got foil and just it's it's incredible. I'm really I'm I'm amazed about the commitment to leftovers because I have tried very hard to be able to embrace eating leftovers and it's been very hard for me. I don't know. I just didn't grow up with it. And you should you is. should try hiring a chef. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if your wife sends it in with you, what are you going to do? I mean, because he brings it in. I've never actually seen him eat it. So as far as we know, <laughs> he could just bring it in and throw it away. <laughs> oh man, that'd be so mean. And we just this is Tim. This is what you need to investigate this Invest year. Deep <laughs> what happens to Dirk's take uh, takeout food? Uh, does he actually eat it? I, this I is have, the investigation. I believe once or twice I've seen him eating it. So I can. Oh yeah. All right. Well, sorry, sorry to pull the curtain back. I know it's more fun. <laughs> When we, when we don't know for sure. Yeah. All right. So playoffs, yes or no? Sure. Let's no. do it. I'm I, I would. I would probably say no, but I, it's it's definitely. I, I would. I w- let's let's say ninth seed. They they, they fall okay. too short. I'd say you know twenty five to thirty percent chance. So it's possible, but mm-hmm. I would not bet against. I'll give it. them I'm, a forty one percent chance. There you go. <laughs> Are you sure it's not forty two? No, no, because that's not Dirk's number. Mm, oh, I see why you did it that mm-hmm. way. Okay, that makes sense. Well, this was a lot of fun. Dallas Mavericks, kind of a fun little team. I'm excited to watch Dennis Smith. I'm excited to watch Dirk's Twilight. I agree. Fun League Pass team, and they only have five national TV games, right? So you're going to get your bang for your buck watching them on League Pass, unlike the Warriors, who have 43 national TV games if you can NBA TV. Absurd. Anyway, Tim Cato, SVNation.com, Kirk Henderson from Maz Moneyball. It's been great chopping it up with you all. We always have fun. Um, and thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Thanks, Mike. All right. So we got uh, Timberwolves coming up next. We just recorded the Kings. Uh, after that, we're looking at probably New Orleans, uh, Charlotte, and Detroit. This is, again, podcast number eight of 30. Why can't I count? Um, of previewing this year's uh, teams with our friends from the SB Nation Network. Ben will be back for the next one, I promise. Uh, He's been away a little bit, but he is excited to talk about the Timberwolves, so he will be on that. Until then, though, enjoy the limited Upside podcast.